In Focus Catholic Contributions to Science Anthony Sachin writes this informative and fact-filled article on Catholic Contributions to Science. Anthony Sachin is presently active in a full-time media ministry called Catholic Vibes, a YouTube channel about the Catholic faith. He lives in Ernakulam, India. In the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church were greatly creative forces. Much of the new technological, economic, political, and administrative techniques of that period were pioneered by the Catholic Church. The best equivalent for the Silicon Valley in the 13th century was the Vatican. For all new ideas about administration, information processing, this is where you went to the Vatican. The first archives, libraries, systems for archiving information, cataloging information, this is something the church was best at doing. If you were a king in the 13th century and you wanted somebody who knew how to handle information to help you run your kingdom, you turned to monks. You turned to priests. So back then, they were still very creative forces. These may seem the thoughts of a church loyalist, but I was surprised to hear these words being uttered by the atheist Israeli historian Yuval Noah Hariri in a talk at Google in 2015. Harari, an author and professor in the Department of History at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, is opposed to many aspects and stances of the church. Yet he and many like him look into the evidence from history realize and acknowledge the contributions of the church in the field of science and education. Yet sadly, the perception of the Catholic Church as being anti-science is gaining much traction these days. The church is projected as the oppressor of the scientific achievements of people like Galileo Galilei, Giordano Bruno, etc., and some Catholics still think that the Bible is against science without knowing the official position of the Catholic Church on science and faith. This article is a small attempt to set the record straight about the true history of the Church's interventions in the journey of modern science as we know today. We would scarcely call anyone educated who had no knowledge whatsoever of history. Father Frederick C. Copleston S.J., Jesuit philosopher and historian of philosophy. The Birth of Christianity Christianity was born in Roman-occupied Israel and grew up in a cultural climate where Greek was the language of the educated and wealthy classes. Emperor Constantine embraced Christianity before his death in 337 A.D. and from 380 A.D. Christianity was the official religion of the whole Roman Empire. In 330 AD, Constantine, threatened by barbarians from the north and by disintegration from within, moved his capital to Constantinople, splitting the Roman Empire into two, the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire. During the Great Schism of 1054, the Eastern Church became the Orthodox Church and the Western Church continued to be known as the Roman Catholic Church. Initially, there were many developments of science in the Eastern Empire compared to the West. 
but the invasions of Mohammedan invaders into the Eastern Empire in the 7th century gave the most serious blow to the scientific development in Christendom. Milestones of Scientific Journey The Emergence of Benedictine Monasteries Saint Benedict of Nursia, patron saint of Europe and one of the patron saints of engineers, founded his monasteries not only on prayer but also on work, following the guiding principle of ora et labora. And so, following their founder, monks took on civil and mechanical engineering activities like metalworking, building, flood control earthworks, draining swamps, and building reservoirs and mills. Monasteries were responsible for many of Europe's cultural and technological firsts. Beginning in the 6th century, monastic communities created the first large-scale European system of schools, libraries, scriptoria, and infirmaries, the importance of which cannot be underestimated for the collection, preservation, production, and transmission of technical knowledge. The remains of the first known tidal-powered water wheel have been found in Ireland at Nendrum Monastery Mill in Strangford Low, dating to the early 7th to late 8th centuries. Modern musical notation originated with Father Guido di Arezzo, OSB, 992-1033 AD, in Italy. The first impact drilled well, and the first artesian well in Europe was drilled by the Carthusian monks in Artois, France in 1126. Carolingian Renaissance By the 6th century, the Roman Empire succumbed to invasions of barbarian tribes. In 800 AD, the Frankish king Charlemagne was crowned emperor in Rome by Pope Leo III in an effort to transfer the Roman Empire from east to west. Charlemagne wanted to unite his large empire by means of a common culture centered on education. To that end, he asked the English monk, Alcuin of York, to create a standardized academic curriculum. Alcuin, who was influenced by the writings of Saint Bede, obliged by creating the trivium and the quadrivium, Charlemagne created cathedral schools throughout the empire where boys and girls alike studied Alcuin's curriculum. Charlemagne also patronized Benedictine monasteries where the monks preserved classical Greek and Roman culture by copying ancient manuscripts that would then survive to be read during the later Italian Renaissance. As historian Joseph Lynch explains, the writing, book copying, artistic and architectural work, and thinking of the men trained in the cathedral and monastic schools stimulated a change in the quality and quantity of intellectual life. The monks of Charlemagne's empire were responsible for another extremely important innovation in education. At the time, written scripts and fonts differed widely in various parts of Christendom, making it difficult for texts written in one region to be read and understood in another. In addition, 
There were no such things as lowercase letters, punctuation marks, or blank spaces between words. To standardize writing and make it more readable, the monks developed a standard script or font known as Carolingian minuscule, which was clear and uniform with rounded shapes, had clear capital and lowercase letters, punctuation marks, and had spaces between the words. Carolingian minuscule became the standard font for manuscripts in Christendom for nearly 400 years and was even used outside the confines of Charlemagne's empire. This script not only benefited education during the medieval period, it was crucial to building literacy of the Western civilization. Origin of the First Western Medical School the medical school at Salerno, Italy emerged in the 9th century, revived the tradition of the ancient schools. Three important factors determined the success of the Salernitian school. First, medical education in Salerno began in the Benedictine monasteries, resulting in association between medical learning and hospitals of the church. Connections with the monastery at Monte Cassino and Benedictine traditions promoted intellectual development in a liberal atmosphere which enabled students of all backgrounds, including women, to attend the school. With its mild climate, Salerno was considered a health resort where travelers and nobility came to recuperate from various ailments. Aggregation of the sick at Salerno attracted Greek, Arabic, and Jewish physicians. In addition, collections of literary material preserved in the monasteries drew students of medicine from all over Europe, Spain, and Asia Minor. The third factor that promoted the success of the school was its geographic location in southern Italy. The school was located in the middle of an elevated valley overlooking the town of Salerno, southeast of Naples. Proximity to surviving remnants of Greek culture promoted learning of ancient masters such as Hippocrates and Aristotle. 12th century Renaissance The university which developed and matured at the heights of Catholic Europe was a new phenomenon in European history. Nothing like it had existed in ancient Greece or Rome. The institution that we recognize today with its faculties, courses of study, examinations and degrees, as well as the familiar distinction between undergraduate and graduate study, comes to us directly from medieval Europe. The papacy played a central, if not exclusive, role in the establishment and encouragement of the universities. Naturally, the granting of a charter to a university was one indication of this papal role. The first university was founded at Bologna at the end of the 11th century. The University of Paris was erected in 1150, Oxford in 1167, and Cambridge in 1209. In total, 81 universities were founded before the mid-16th century. Of these, 33 possessed a papal charter, 15 a royal or imperial one, 20 possessed both, and 13 had none. In addition, 
it was the accepted view that a university could not award degrees without the approbation of Pope, King, or Emperor. Pope Innocent IV officially granted this privilege to Oxford University, for example, in 1254. The Pope and the Emperor possessed authority over all of Christendom and for this reason it was to them that a university typically had to turn for the right to issue degrees. Equipped with the approval of one or the other of these universal figures, the university's degrees would be respected throughout all of Christendom. Degrees awarded only by the approval of national monarchs, on the other hand, were considered valid only in the kingdom in which they were issued. In certain cases, including in particular the universities at Bologna, Oxford, and Paris, the master's degree entitled the bearer to teach anywhere in the world. The Pope also granted to the university a separate papal jurisdiction, thus emancipating the institution from the interference of what had been an overbearing diocesan authority. The distinction between undergraduate and graduate education was made in the early universities more or less as it is today. According to the historian of science Edward Grant, the creation of the university, the commitment to reason and rational argument, and the overall spirit of inquiry that characterized medieval intellectual life amounted to a gift from the Latin Middle Ages to the modern world, though it is a gift that may never be acknowledged. Perhaps it will always retain the status it has had for the past four centuries as the best-kept secret of Western civilization. According to Michael Shank, professor of the history of science at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, the 13th century marks a turning point in the histories of world culture and of the scientific enterprise. The emerging universities institutionalized learning, giving the teaching, study, and advancement of theoretical approaches to natural knowledge a permanent home. The ups and downs of the intervening history notwithstanding, the partnership of the scientific enterprise with the university still thrives today. The medieval universities not only created a quasi-autonomous space for natural philosophy and the mathematical sciences in the faculties of arts, but also institutionalized law, medicine, and theology. Masters in the last two faculties often continue to develop the natural philosophy and the mathematical and analytical tools of their earlier education. Jesuit Contribution to Science By the mid-16th century, the Catholic Church was gifted with a wonderful religious congregation founded by St. Ignatius of Loyola and six companions with the approval of Pope Paul III in 1540. The members are called Jesuits. Jesuits have made remarkable contributions in almost all the fields of science. Thirty-five lunar craters and 11 asteroids have been named after Jesuit scientists. In fact, 
one of the moon's largest crater formations is named after Father Christopher Clavius. His astronomical and mathematical genius played a major role in the formation of the Gregorian calendar, the calendar system in almost universal use today. Clavius encouraged a number of mathematical developments, the decimal point, parenthesis, use of logarithms, and the vernier scale. Father Giovanni Battista Riccioli was known for his experiments with pendulums and with falling bodies, and for introducing the current scheme of lunar nomenclature. He's also widely known for discovering the first double star. Father Athanasius Kircher wrote about a wide range of scientific issues, astronomy, magnetism, volcanoes, earthquakes, disease, geography, antiquarianism, among others, and organized a museum of natural history. Father Roger Boscovich developed a dynamic atomic theory that unified all natural forces and made many contributions to astronomy, including the first geometric procedure for determining the equator of a rotating planet from three observations of a surface feature and for computing the orbit of a planet from three observations of its position. In 1753, he also discovered the absence of atmosphere on the moon. Jesuit missions across the world also aided their scientific efforts. Father Matteo Ricci successfully predicted a solar eclipse on September the 22nd, 1596, earning him the opportunity to work with Zhu Guanzhui, an open-minded Chinese scholar, on reforming the Chinese calendar system. The new calendar provided more accurate predictions of eclipses of the sun and the moon and better guidance for planting and harvesting. Riki was the first Westerner to be invited to China and appointed as an advisor to the Chinese emperor. The calendar reform marked the first major collaboration between scientists from Europe and China and also in establishing the China mission. Likewise, Father Jose de Acosta mapped the terrain, flora, and fauna of the Central and South America. Many scientific books were written by Jesuits and many observatories were set up wherever they carried their mission. Father Eugene Lafont had the distinction of introducing modern science into India with his knowledge of experimental physics and his ability to popularize science among the people. He was called the father of science in India. Sir J.C. Bose and Dr. C.V. Raman found encouragement for their introduction to science in the person of Father Eugene Lafont. The hurricane priest, who laid the groundwork for the hurricane warning systems we use today, is Father Benito Vinies, S.J. Hurricanes and cyclones in the Caribbean and Asia encouraged Jesuit missionaries to study weather phenomena with the worldwide distribution of observatories and the centralization of data through the order allowing them to establish global patterns. Jesuits have contributed so much 
to the development of seismology and seismic prospecting that seismology has been called the Jesuit science. Jesuits found their own seismological association and seismological stations were set up all over the world. Other contributors to this scientific galaxy include Father Angelo Sicci in the middle 19th century, pioneered the use of spectroscopy for solar and stellar research. Father Stephen Joseph Perry, also active in the mid-19th century, studied geomagnetism and led scientific expeditions for the Royal Society. Father James Bernard McElwain wrote the first textbook of seismology and Father Pierre Teilhard de Chardin in geology and paleontology, who was also famous for his influential thought on the relation between evolution and Christian faith. Brother Guy J. Consolmagno, the present director of Vatican Observatory, is also an American Jesuit. Christianity, the Cradle of Modern Science Almost all the civilizations that came after the Greeks relied on Greek science, especially on the works of Aristotle. Aristotle was a Greek philosopher and polymath during the classical period in ancient Greece. He was the tutor of Alexander the Great. He taught subjects such as logic, physics, public speaking, politics, and philosophy. Aristotle had new ideas on how the world should be studied. Pythagorean theorem, Euclidean geometry, Archimedes principle, taught in our schools are the contributions of ancient Greek science. Christians' understanding of cosmology was based on the famous astronomer Claudius Ptolemy, who lived in the city of Alexandria. His model of the solar system was geocentric, where the sun, moon, planets, and stars all orbit the Earth in perfectly circular orbits, which was universally accepted until the 15th century Catholic astronomer and canon lawyer Nicholas Copernicus came up with a heliocentric model. Later, Galileo, a devout Catholic, made an observable telescope to prove the heliocentric theory. From the Greeks to the 15th century, there was no solid proof for the rotation revolution of Earth around the Sun. Without naked eye, it was impossible to understand that the Earth was rotating and also that it was revolving around the Sun. They assumed that the Sun and other stars rotated around the Earth. The heliocentric theory, backed by an observable telescope, was a breakthrough achievement, and the later discoveries of Sir Isaac Newton gave more clarity in this area. Aristotle had a pantheistic worldview, meaning God is everything and everything is God. This view was shared by almost all the ancient civilizations, but it went totally against the Christian theology of monotheism because Christians believed in a transcendental God, that is, God is beyond space and time. This understanding was based on the Bible and also Christian theologians and scientists rejected the notion of an eternal universe. 
They believed that the universe had a beginning as accounted in Genesis 1-1, but there was no evidence until Father Georgis Lametri, a Belgian Catholic priest, came up with a new theory called Big Bang for the origin of the universe. Lametri's theory was based on Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. Albert Einstein later accepted his theory even though he had an initial understanding of an eternal universe. Jean Piloponos, a Byzantine church, was one of the first to propose a theory of impetus similar to the modern concept of inertia over Aristotelian dynamics. This theory was later developed by Jean Buridan, a Catholic cleric, teacher in the Faculty of Arts at the University of Paris, who sowed the seeds of the Copernican Revolution in Europe. He refined the concepts of impetus with many experiments, the first step toward the modern concept of inertia and an important development in the history of modern science. The theory of impetus was a precursor to the concepts of inertia and momentum in classical mechanics. In Buridan's writings, perhaps for the first time, the heavens and the earth were at least tentatively subjected to a single set of laws, and the same suggestion was carried further by Buridan's student Nicole Oresme. He suggested that when God created the heavens, he impressed them with a certain quality and force of motion, just as he impressed terrestrial things with weight. It is just the same as a man building a clock and leaving it to run itself. Thus God left the heavens to move continually according to the order he had established. To learn more details about this topic, I would suggest reading Stacy Transenko's Science Was Born of Christianity, The Teaching of Father Stanley L. Jacquet, 2013. Giovanni Battista Gueglimini, a cleric and Catholic student from Bologna, is known as the first scientific experimenter on the mechanical demonstration of the Earth's rotation. The most celebrated test of the Earth's rotation is the Foucault pendulum, first built by the French physicist Leon Foucault in 1851, who later became a practicing Catholic. Rodney Stark, a professor of sociology and of comparative religion at University of Washington, researched scientific stars from 1543 to 1680, the era usually designated as the Scientific Revolution, and came up with a list of the top 52 scientists. Of these, 26 were Protestant and 26 Catholic. 15 of them were English, 9 French, 8 Italian, 7 German, the rest were Dutch, Danish, Flemish, Polish, and Swedish, respectively. Only one was a skeptic and one was a pantheist. The other 50 were Christians, at least 30 of whom could be characterized as devout because of their evident zeal. It is not until Charles Darwin that atheism appeared to accomplish anything significant in science. In conclusion, Thomas Woods notes in his book How the Catholic Church 
built Western civilization, cathedrals in Bologna, Florence, Paris, and Rome were designed in the 17th and 18th centuries to function as world-class solar observatories. Nowhere in the world were there more precise instruments for the study of the sun. Each such cathedral contained holes through which sunlight could enter and timelines or meridian lines on the floor. It was by observing the path traced out by the sunlight on these lines that researchers could obtain accurate measurements of time and predict equinoxes. In the words of J. L. Hellibron of the University of California, Berkeley, the Roman Catholic Church gave more financial aid and social support to the study of astronomy over six centuries from the recovery of ancient learning during the late Middle Ages into the Enlightenment than any other and probably all other institutions. Historically, Catholics are numbered among the most important scientists of all time, including René Descartes, who discovered analytic geometry and the laws of refraction, Blaise Pascal, inventor of the adding machine, hydraulic press, and the mathematical theory of probabilities, Augustinian priest Gregor Mendel, who founded modern genetics, Louis Pasteur, founder of microbiology, and creator of the first vaccine for rabies and anthrax. Johannes Gutenberg, founder of the printing machine. It is very difficult to articulate Catholic contributions to science in a few pages, but I have tried to give a glimpse of some of the main areas. The story of the Church's contributions to science goes beyond the accomplishments of the aforementioned individuals. Catholic theology and the worldview that emerged from it were instrumental to the rise of the modern scientific method. In the words of C.S. Lewis, men became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a lawgiver. <laughs>